Most people today don't pick up the phone and complain. They call somebody else. And you're sitting there saying, well, why didn't you tell me there was a problem? You didn't ask. You didn't care. You didn't worry about it. Well, you should have. And so my statement is you got to follow it all the way through. It's As far as I'm concerned, it's I'm going to make sure from cradle to grave that client is happy. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Robert Stevenson with us, and we're going to talk about mastering a highly effective mindset to raise your line. Uh, Robert, thanks a, a ton for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to speaking to you. This will be fun. So by way of introduction, Robert is an expert at building high-performance cultures, improving efficiency, and accelerating growth. He's a best-selling author who's owned five companies and has sold internationally in over 20 countries. Today, we'll be mostly talking about his book, Raise Your Line. Success is about a higher line mentality. Really looking forward to this, Robert. So let's jump into it. Uh, can you explain the meaning behind the title of your book, Raise Your Line? Great question. Um, when I wrote the book, I was having a problem with the title. Uh, I mean, literally, I was going to, what am I going to name the book? Uh, in fact, the, the first concept was realistic optimist, and, but, it just, but that was just kind of like a chapter. It just didn't work. So um, I called one of my agents who I had worked with for years and, and said, you know, I'm, I'm having difficulty, you know, naming the book. What do you think? You got any suggestions? And she said, she says, look, you've done over 2,500 speaking engagements. She says, I got a question for you. She said, if you could leave your audience with one thought that would help them the rest of their life, what's the thought? And I'm like, going, whoa, that's pretty profound. Okay. All right. And I'd written other books and everything else. And I'm sitting there going through all my other books and going through all the articles that I'd written and everything else. And I kept coming back to this one article that I'd written about my son. And he was sitting in my office and he was in college at Florida State and uh, he's getting ready to graduate. And so I, I asked him the question. I said, Todd, are you getting ready to go out in the business world? He said, how do you go about making a decision? And he said, well, without much of a hesitation, he said, well, that's all about raising your line, Dad. And I'm like going, what? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, I'm a motivational business speaker. I've been over 2,500 programs. He's been around me his entire life. He's probably going to make me so proud and say something profound that I have taught him came out of his mouth and he says, it's all about raising your line. I've never said it in my life. He had no clue what my son was talking about. And I said, what does that mean? He said, life to me is a line. You're born, you die. It's a line. And I'm going, this is not going well. This is not looking good at all. Okay, I'm not getting real proud of this statement. He said, and then he followed it up. He said, he said if you do something good, your line goes up. He said, if you do something bad, your line goes down. He said, why would, I never, why would I ever want to have my line go down? He said, when you're studying and getting prepared for different things, you know, it's going to be flat. You know, you're getting there. But he said, the whole objective of this thing, kind of like the stock market, is to have your line going up and keep going up and keep going up. And I'm sitting there going, that makes a whole lot of sense. If you're making a decision, it's pretty profound, pretty simple just statement on how do you go about making a decision? Is it going to make your line go up? Is it going to make it better? Is it going to make it worse? Now, sometimes, as I said, you got to learn before you can make it go up. But the, the whole objective here is it got to go up. And um, so I said, I like that. And so, and I've always, everything I try to do is I make things, I try and, and when I write, I try and I, I, I write the way I talk and I try and make things simple. And so the book had, a, every, it had over 100 uh, boxes in it that talk about, I call them line raises. In fact, if you, just, if you just went through the book and you just wanted to get the, the meat of it real quick, you could just flip through the book and just go to all the boxes where it says line raising. And it cuts to the chase. This is what you need to do. And this is how you need to do it. Because that, in this day and time, people don't have time to go through all the minutia. They want to you know, give me how I can do it now quickly. And so I liked it. It's all about a higher line mentality. So in everything that we do, in every aspect of what we do, how are you going to raise your line? And so that's why I wrote the book, Raise Your Line. So because you're trying to raise your profit line, you're trying to raise your sales, you're trying to raise every aspect, but it's just going to raise my line. And so that's how I get the title. I love it. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at things. Uh, in the book, you talk about being a realistic optimist. Yeah. Can you explain what, what being a realistic optimist is all about? 
Well, when I first got, after I sold my last company, I got into the business of speaking. Um, I kind of classify myself as a motivational speaker, but I'm really not a motivational speaker. I'm a business speaker. And I've owned five companies. And so uh, when, you, when, you look at, when you look at business and you look at taking your company to the next level, you got to be a realist. I mean, you, you, you can't sit there and, you, you know, bright sunshine and nirvana and yay and yippee-yay-yo, here we're going to go and everything's going to be wonderful because you're going to get your legs cut off them all the time. So you've got, so the way I look at it is I always believe it's going to work. I always believe there's going to be a better day. I always believe the best is yet to come. And every aspect of what I do, that's my life. That's the way I'm going to live my life. But the other aspect of it is, tell me what's really going on here. Because if you're not going to take the, what the realism is happening and you're not going to put that into your formula of what you're trying to do and what you're fighting, you're going to lose. You can't just constantly say you know, Nirvana's out there because it's, it's, it's not sometimes. So when I look at it, I need to be a realistic optimist in every aspect of what I do. What about uh, how can adopting the realistic optimist mindset um, to salespeople in their, in their daily lives. How does, how do you, how does this mindset help salespeople every day? Well, on a, on a competitive basis, when you start talking about the realistic side of what you have to do, you've got to be able to analyze your competition, your product and everything that you have in every aspect of what you do in comparison to them. You've got to look at the realism of what's going on with your client. You've got to look at what's happening in the marketplace, especially now when you're, when you're talking about COVID. And, and, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to go out there and sell people. When you're talking about trying to how to, you're going to sell people, a lot of times now you're not, you're not face-to-face. So you're, you might be out of your element. So you've got to be able to look at the fact that what, what is the reality of what we're facing right now? Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I hate to segue on this, but this is an interesting way to look at it. Is I remember when my son got type 1 diabetes and he was nine years old. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Boom. All right. Well, realism is you're not going to, it's a disease. You're not going to change. This is what you got. This is what you're going to have to deal with. So we're going to be able to deal with it. We're going to be able to fight it. We're going to be able to overcome it, but we're never going to cure it. Welcome to the realism. So when you look at this as far as virtual and what's happening with COVID, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, I hate to say this is what it is, but this is what it is. So a lot of people, well, and you look at my industry in 20, in 29 years of speaking in 2,500 programs in 16 countries, I had never done a virtual program in my office in my life, in my life, all right? And then all of a sudden, eight months ago, someone says, we're going virtual. So the realism is, you're gonna go virtual. How are you gonna do it? You're gonna to have to learn. You're gonna to have to figure out what cameras you need, what lighting you need, what you need to do in your studio, how you're gonna set up, how are you gonna be able to take care of it? That's the realism of what's going on online. And that's what's happening with a lot of salespeople out there. They don't know how they can contact people on a virtual basis, but we're talking one-on-one. I can, I can see your eyes. I can see your body language. I can see what's going on. So that's still one-on-one, and, but a lot of people just don't, don't understand how to be able to deal with that, and that's a problem. But my statement is the realist, the optimist is realism is we got COVID. Optimism, I'm going to be able to figure out how to do it so I can be able to get to touch my clients in a way that's even better. And when I look at it from the positive end, here's the, the optimism side. As, as far as virtual is concerned, I'm talking to one person at a time. When I talk to 100 people, 1,000 people, or 10,000 people on stage, my entire career, I've always talked to one person at a time. It's not the huge audience. It's what you're trying to relate to one person. Well, in virtual, you're looking at that camera. You're looking right at their eyes. Even though you can't see their eyes, but you're just like, hey, I can see you. So I'm good to go with that. It, you also say success is never final. Right. How, what do you mean by this? And, and how can this belief help salespeople overcome competitive situations and competition? Well, just as soon as you think you got it, you got somebody else that's trying to figure out how to beat you. So you, you, when you wake up in the morning, you got to prove yourself every day. Don't, I, I, when I go into sales organizations, I tell salespeople, don't tell me what you did for me yesterday. Tell me what you're going to do for me tomorrow, all right? Uh, if you're going to go in and make a sales call, one of the things I would ask a client is, you know, the company that you're currently dealing with, have they ever dropped the ball? Well, yeah. Oh, really? Tell me about that. <laughs> because all you're trying to do is get a foot in the door. So if you can bring up the pain, I remember in spin selling, it talks about, you know, make them bleed. You know, in challenger selling, it talks about making them drown. 
all right? Where you try and bring up the pain of what's going on. Well, you might be the greatest salesperson and think you've got that going on, but if you drop the ball, you're opening the door for another person to come in. So you've got to, you've got to constantly be on top of your client to make sure you're being fine. And, and, and also follow up. So many salespeople get the sale and, 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 and let everybody else take care of all the aspects and don't follow up to make sure everything went fine. And that's your job. All the way through, even though you said there, well, I got other sales, other service people to take care of it. No, I'm gonna pick up the phone and call them and say, how are we doing? Did it get there on time? Is everything cool? Tell me what's going on. Because most people today, most people today don't pick up the phone and complain. They call somebody else. And you're sitting there saying, well, why didn't you tell me there was a problem? You didn't ask. You didn't care. You didn't worry about it. Well, you should have. And so my statement is you got to follow it all the way through. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's I'm going to make sure from cradle to grave that client is happy so I can constantly pay attention to what's going on. So when you look at, you know, success is never final. I don't care if you, if you think you got them, that's when you, you, you better be careful. The day you forget you're in business for the customer is the day that you start going out of business. So what's the empathy going on right now? Because there's, there's a lot. I had one of my clients the other day. He said, and his sales team, he said, we got crickets out there. No one's talking. And I said, well, what are you finding now out about them? What's the empathy that you have? Quit selling. Try and help them get what they need. Super valuable advice. What, what's your advice for salespeople who realize that what they're doing isn't working? These are crazy times we're in right now. And sometimes we've got to shift our mindset, right? What, what do you do when, when the thing that you're doing just isn't working? I like mentors. I mean, uh, in my situation, um, in fact, you take the virtual situation right now. I am so tired of watching myself on camera. I could just shoot myself. Because we're, <laughs> I hate I mean, my own we're, face. <laughs> we're, we're producing all these programs. We're producing them and producing and producing. And then we're going in and we're editing. And so all of a sudden you're watching yourself and, and the camera doesn't lie. The camera tells you how you did, the way you did it. You know, did you speak too fast? Did you miss this point? Did you, did you just stumble over that? And my son does all my editing. And then let me tell you something, he's, he's brutal. He'll sit there and say, that's out, you know, because you, 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 you blew that word, all right? So you, you look at it and go, oh, but what happened is you're, you're trying to get better at what you do. And so when you look at how you're going to take it to the next level with your client, You've got to figure out how you're going to do it on a, on a different basis. And, that's, and that's, that's what I've done. I've tried to figure out how I'm going to deliver my product and deliver my service uh, a different way that's going to fit what they need. So do you have any tips for salespeople who are trying to cope with change right now? Well, let's go back to the, the, the last question when you start talking about, you know, what should you do as far as the mentor basis? You know, when, you, when you're dropping the ball and, and, and you look at change, because those two things kind of go hand in hand right now. Um, if, you, if your sales aren't going well, let's go ask some people. And then you, you go talk to your top salespeople in your organization. Go talk to some friends. Go, I, mean, uh, I mean, if you want to look at it, go online. YouTube is a plethora of information of, of all kinds of people that are out there trying to help you sell. And uh, at, at night, I'll usually watch a YouTube video on something to try and get myself a little bit better, uh, what, regardless of what the course is. I mean, I just want to get, give me a tip that's going to make me a little bit better. So, and you try and figure out, you know, are you doing something different than that? Because um, uh, the top salespeople will help you. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes salespeople make is they talk too much. If you're talking over 20% of the time, you're talking too much. Second big problem they have is they're not asking the right questions. They've got lousy questions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, and I'm going to go talk to the top salespeople in my organization, which is like yourself. You were number one in 2009 with Google. If I'm one of the, the 300 salespeople that's selling for Google, and I find that you're number one, I'm picking up the phone and calling you and saying, how'd you get number one? What are you doing different than I'm not doing? What, what makes you better? I remember I, was, uh, I, I try not to tell who the companies are because I don't want to steal some of the secrets, but one of the clients, they brought in 800 other salespeople for their, their international you know, awards banquet. And I interviewed the top 10 and I got to number one. And I said, how did you become number one in this organization of 800 salespeople? 
And he said, he said, well, Rob, he said, I, I, you know, he said, I got lucky very early in my career. I learned a lot of things. But I said, well, tell me how you, what, what was the one client that got you there? He said, Verizon. He said, he said, I couldn't even get on their campus. They wouldn't even allow me to get on their campus. He said, that's how tough it was to be able to sell them. He said, so I had one of their engineers that I met at a Denny's. And this guy had about a $100,000 budget and he liked what we were doing. And so he, so my first order was $100,000. He said, I took that $100,000 budget and turned it into 30 million. And I said, really? And I said, do you have any tools that you use for it? He said, yeah. He says, no, now, one thing that I believe in, I call them bullet editorials. A bullet editorial is a statement that you throw out at a client that's undeniable. You know, 75% of my business comes from referrals. Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty powerful statement. So when you look at the bullet editorials, he got little things. But what he did is he created a one sheet. And on that one sheet, he had several of them. But on that one sheet, he would slide it towards a client. And at the top of it, it said Verizon. Well, now all of a sudden you're talking to a client and it says Verizon. Well, that's a pretty impressive company. He said, yeah. He said, I took this program from 100000 to $30 million order. Really? All right. There's no denying that. And he said, he said this is what, we, this is what we, uh, they thought they had. This is the problem they thought they had. This is what we found that was on the sheet. And this is what we did. And this is what it saved them. Boom, 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 boom. All on one sheet. Slides it forward. And now the client's going, holy mackerel. He said, but the point is, is this is what they thought they had, but this is what we found. He said, so it was totally different. So he wasn't selling. He was showing them what they helped them, how they helped them get better at it and how they saved them money. Wasn't any sales to it at all. But he slid it forward, had the bullet editorial, had the power of Verizon. And then he said, do you have any others? And he slid another one. Then he slid another one. And then he slid another one. And that's how he became number one and stayed number one. Uh, I have another one of my best friends um, who um, was number one in his company 10 years in a row. And this guy was making, you know, um, seven figure income. And every year he told every salesperson in the organization how he does what he, how, how he does what he does. Most of them wouldn't do it. But he studied the client. And what, what I, I think one of the biggest mistakes salespeople make is lack of preparation. They're not prepared. They're not prepared in studying the client, knowing the client, understanding the industry, and then today, because of COVID, having the empathy to find out how I can help you in your current situation. Their cash flow could be terrible. They, could, you, they might need extended credit. There's so many different things that we now have to look at in comparison to what we used to look at. And so they're not paying attention to what's going on with the client. So, I, so my statement is, go find someone and talk to them and ask them, what are you doing that's working? And then the last one, and I know you, you know this one sideways, is they're lousy with objections. They just don't know how to handle an objection. And to, and to me, an objection is an absolutely wonderful thing because it tells you what's going on. So you, you can't panic with an objection. I mean, I mean, you, you give me an objection, the first thing I'm gonna say is, I'm so glad you brought that up. If I was in your position, I'd think exactly the same way. I'd give them an empathy statement. I'd say, in fact, I had two clients that, had, that they said exactly the same thing that you said. And they thought they were gonna blow you out of your, out of your seat with a great objection. No, objection's just kind of telling me where you're at. So they, they're not prepared, they don't know how to handle objections, and they're lousy at asking questions. And how can dealing with all those things, how can getting better at all those things help a, a salesperson raise their line? Well, if, if you walk in prepared, all right, and if you, well, uh, let's go back, let's take a step back. I remember I was dealing with Caterpillar. Pretty big organization, some very, very fantastic salespeople. I asked the senior vice president of sales, I said, what's the number one mistake your salespeople make? He said, assumptions. I said, what? He said, they assume what the client needs. He said, that's terrible. He said, they, they walk out there and they look at the yard and they look at, they got these machines or those machines or this or that, and they do a little study and then they go, well, he's gonna need this tractor or this million dollar this and this, no. He, they might, he might have three of those on another site you don't even see. He said, so the biggest thing that you have to do is you got to find out what's here, what's in their mind, what's going on, what is their situation? So when you look at it from that perspective, it, the, the biggest thing is what's their deal? It's not your deal. Because it, and as I said, quit selling. Help them get what they need. I mean, selling is a, is a, is a four-letter word. It's caring. It's, you know, you, you got to find out what their need is. You got to seek 
what's going on. But, I mean, that's to me, that's 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 what we're trying to figure out. You got to help them. You got to give them. And 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 if you do that, you're going to take it to the next level. But it goes it goes back to great question. And uh, what do you think? How can a sales person keep their sense of humor when a deal doesn't go their way? <laughs> uh, I, I got to give you a story. Okay, I, I got to give you a story. My, um, I, I, I played football at Georgia Tech. I got injured, and so I, you know, I wasn't going to play pro. My brother played pro. That's what I wanted to do, but it was kind of like it was always done. I said I needed a job, so I got into I got into insurance sales. And you shouldn't sell insurance at 21 years old. I said number one, you don't need it. Number two, you know you're going to be out there selling people. But but I had a great manager. I mean, he was fantastic, great sales manager, and he taught me all kinds of stuff. And he said he taught me how to read the walls. That was one of his techniques: read the walls. He says, Rob, we're going to go into their office and we're going to read the walls. He says, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the gatekeeper down. Everybody thinks you're in there to sell. So you're trying to create trust, confidence, and rapport. So how do you create rapport? Well, you look at something that might have in common with them. And so try and pick up something on the wall, you know, in the military or they're, you know, fishermen or doing this and that. And I was going, okay. So Conyers, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, our first sales call, I'm in there with my manager. We walk in there and and, and, I, and I'm, I've got to show them I'm ready. I've got it, all right? So I walk into the office and there are three, three fish on the wall, all right? You know, nice and mounted and everything else. I'm going, this guy's a fisherman. This is fantastic, okay? I said, I'm going to be able to show my sales manager that I, I, I can create rapport. I'm going to use the technique. I'm going to read the walls and this is it. So my first opening statement of my first sales call of my sales career was, well, I see you're a fisherman, sir. And he looks at me and he says, nah, I got those on the wall for stupid salespeople that have been taught to read the walls to develop rapport. <laughs> 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 yeah. And I mean, it's just boom. <laughs> he, just, he just blew me right out of the park. And I looked over at my manager, I'm like going, you know, what, what do you do now? You know, <laughs> he, he handed me my head. I mean, I was like, bah, 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 bah. you know, so I'm sitting there going, you got to be kidding. I mean, I sold in 20 countries. I mean, I've had to ask, I've had to ask interpreters what the guy say. He said, no. He said, sounds about the same in any language. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So it's still no. So when I, when you talk about the sense of humor, what I learned from that is, all right, you got to be prepared. You got to be able to, you know, in other words, afterwards, I asked him, well, what would you have said? After he said that, you know, he said, well, and you, and you, you got to come back with a rebuttal. You've got to be able to handle it. You got to be able to, well, I, I've never had anybody say that before or, or just laugh. I mean, I mean, because one of the most important things to people is a smile. So if someone wants to blow you out of the park, let them blow you out of the park. It doesn't matter. But what I have learned is every no takes me closer to a yes. There's the realistic optimist. Every, if you learn, why did they say that? What, what caused me? So many objections occur because you didn't think about what could be an objection. You try and eliminate the objection before it occurs. And so, so that has to do with your presentation. Now, there's a book out there called Challenger Sales. And Challenger Sales talks about 53% of the sales call success is based on the salesperson. It's a good book, all right? And it talks about the fact that the way you're positioning it could be the reason why you got the objection in the first place because you were selling too hard and you weren't paying attention to what's going on. So, I mean, I look at it from the sense of humor side of it. I mean, I, I, I love humor in a program. I love it in my sales presentation and I love it when I'm on stage because it, it relaxes people. When you can get, if you can get somebody to start smiling and relaxing and, and laughing a little bit, you're, you're on a roll and that should be part of your, that should be part of your, of your, of your demeanor if it can be, but there's so many, I, I've never been amazed. I've been amazed at how many salespeople walk in and shake a hand. Hi, good to see you. And I'm like going, did you ever think about smiling? You know, just how you doing? It's good to see you, John. Because people like a smile. Yeah, well, I, I think humor is so important in uh, in sales situations, and I, I think it's so important that even if even if you're not that funny, uh, it's worth investing some time and like thinking of, thinking through some funny things that happen or, or ways that you can bring up a joke at a certain point in your, in your sales presentation. And I think it's even worth investing as a company. If there's like, 
if you can like build into sales presentations a natural joke or like things that are funny, they, I think it really keeps people's attention. It makes things more interesting to watch. We, we had a, uh, an, an expert in using humor in sales on the podcast a, a little while back. And, uh, and, I, and I thought that it was really, uh, and he's got a whole consulting practice around this, right? Where he like, he's a joke, he's a comedian. He basically comes in and helps, helps the sales team write jokes for themselves that they can use in okay. sales situations. I think it's really important. I think it's critical. I mean, I, I, had, I had a client that uh, asked me to come in to, to train their salespeople on presentations. So because you're a speaker, this is what you do. He says, so can you, can you help my people do presentations? And I said, well, yeah. So I, I put a program around for them and, and then they were, it was going to be hands-on. It was only going to be 50 people. But then when they found out I was coming, the next thing you know, there was 300 people there. So it wasn't exactly hands-on. Um, but I, I, so I had one person, I said, is anybody in here lousy at telling jokes? The guy, you know, a bunch of people raised their hand. I said, great, you. And he said, oh God, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, you're bringing me down here. And I said, here's a remote. And I said, can you use this remote? And he said, what do you mean? I said, can you push the button? He said, yeah, I can push the button. I said, can you say these following words? If you do the next thing that's on this screen, you're going to be in trouble. I said, can you say that? If you do the next thing that's on this screen, you're going to be in trouble. Can you say that? He said, well, yeah, I can say that. I said, all right, so you're going to say that and you're going to push the button. And I said, you don't have to do anything else. And I said, this entire room is going to crack up. He said, what? I said, you're going to be the funniest person in this room. He said, why? I said, because of what's on that screen. And I said, no, all you have to do is put that into your program. So he pushes the button. And everybody looks at the picture and the entire place goes nuts, cracks up. And I said, God, you're really funny. I said, push the button. I said, push the button again. I said, the next one's even better. He pushed the button again. I said, you're getting really good. And he's like, like feeling good about himself. I said, it's all in preparation. You don't, as you said, you might not be the funniest guy. You might have a dry sense of humor, but if you learn how to put it in there and work it into the program, it makes it, it's, it's so much easier. And so when I do speaking engagements, um, I have a thing called, you know, when people make mistakes and I'll have pictures of the craziest things that people have ever done. Um, and I'll just put it up on screen and I'll do three or four pictures and, and the audience is just cracking up. And guess what? They're now awake. They're now alive. They now trust you. They now have a feeling of empathy with you. They're with you. So you are, you are so dead right on when you talk about the fact that humor is, is critical. I'm, I'm glad you brought that guy in because that's powerful. Yeah, it really, really was, a, really was a, a cool idea. And I think the, the, the key takeaway for me there was that you, you can not only become funnier, but you can, you can enable a whole sales force to be funny by, by helping them the way you're saying, like, you know, sliding in a funny slide and giving them a way to set it up and boom, all of a sudden they're funny. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're funny. They go, wow, that, that guy was fantastic. I can't believe he did that. You know, and, and you, you, but it was preparation and, mm -hmm. and you, you keep it vanilla, you know, you, 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 you don't have anything that's going to be offensive whatsoever. You always do that. And, uh, and then, and then, and go for it. And then you will, and you will, like I said, you'll get them on their side. Trust, confidence, and rapport. Well, guess what? Humor brings those three together. And I guess, uh, are, are there any other key takeaways that you'd like to share for salespeople who are looking to raise their line? Okay, I, 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 I go back to basics. I mean, uh, you know, cause I, I you know, being an ex-football player, blocking and tackling. Uh, in sales, the, the, if it, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. There was this huge insurance company, been in business over 100 years. And I asked the, the senior VP of sales, I said, send me your top 20 objections and your answers to them. He said, what? I said, send me your top 20 objections and your answers to them. Didn't have them. I'm like going, all right, yeah, I wanted to say, you're the senior vice president of the sales of a major organization been in business a hundred years and you don't have that. Are you kidding me? You know, I, I, you know, he, he'd be gone. I mean, I, I'd have fired him on the spot because I'm going to take that new salesperson who's never encountered these things. And I'm going to sit there and say, here are 20 that we are counting, or here's a hundred. I don't care, but this is how we handle that objection. So when, when they get the objection they they don't panic. It's not like, oh my God, all right? So I want them to be ready. There was one organization I work with that they, they scripted 
100 answers to 100 questions that came up in their seminar. It was an eight hour seminar on mergers and acquisitions. And they, over the years, you had all these different questions. And before you were able to do work for them, you had to be able to handle all 100. Some people say, you know, well, that's a canned presentation. That's a canned script. No, man, you're just being prepared. That's all that is. Because it, when you adapt it to your style, then, then you're prepared. So it's not can, it means you've studied, all right? So number one is, I'm not gonna put anybody on the field that doesn't know those answers sideways and we're gonna role play them, all right? Number two, uh, I'll give you an example. One company, um, uh, they had, they had um, success stories on their website, all right? So let's say I'm looking at the client and the salesperson's coming in and I go to their website and I look at some of their things and they have success stories. And I go, oh gosh. So I click on two or three of their success stories. And then, then when the salesperson comes in there, I say, he, he says, you know, I was talking about that ABC company on your success store. I really liked how you did. Can you tell me some more about that? And this salesperson goes, I didn't read that one. I said, excuse me? I said, it's on your website? It's on your website for clients that they can go read and you don't know what's on your website sideways? So, so many companies aren't prepared for all the tools that they've been given and it was on the website. So now that I'm on the client, I'm going, he don't even know the story about your own company on your website. And I'm asking you a question about it. lack of preparation. So I'm gonna know those success stories so I can be able to pull from them. And it doesn't have to be your sales call, it could be somebody else's sales call that you understand. So when someone asks me what you need to do, you, you need to know your product and service backwards and forwards. You need to know your presentation backwards and forwards, even your elevator pitch. If someone asks you what you do, and you can say it in 30 seconds. You know, so to me, that's the blocking and tackling. And then the, how do you handle overcoming objections? If you, if you don't know those things, you don't you deserve to be in the field. And then you study the industry. And then the last one is a great question. You know, is there a question that you can ask somebody that another salesperson never has? Because now all of a sudden that client goes, Wow, that's interesting. No one's ever asked me that before. Is that important? Well, I, I don't know yet, but it could be. So now all of a sudden, you've totally differentiated yourself from your competition by the, this, the power and the, and the expertise that you're showing and the questions that you're asking. You're not wasting their time. So those are the four major ones that I would, I would hit every time. And I see so many companies don't do it. Absolutely. Well, next section is sales in 60 seconds. So we're going to do quick questions and quick answers. Okay. <laughs> I see it. Oh, okay. Pressure. Yeah, no pressure or anything. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> so, so first question, what is your biggest motivation in your role as a sales motivational speaker? To make them believe they can do it. Um, no one's bought, born a salesperson. No one. All right, and so when I, when, I, when I look at how you can take it to the next level, my statement is anybody, I don't care what your, you know, what your education is, what your background is, if, if you'll do the things that we show you to do, we'll take you to the next level. So my deal is to stand up there on stage and, and I'll sit there and say, um, well, like I did that company, they had the 800, you know, 800 salespeople and number one was standing on stage, I'm number one, I'm the biggest, I'm the best, I won from everybody, yay, yay, yay me. My statement is if you wanna be here next year, that's what I love about sales. You can be. That's the beauty about it. You can be. So when I'm standing there on stage talking to them, I truly, truly believe, I don't care who you are, what you are, what your talent level is, you can become a fantastic salesperson if you just do the things that are required and, I mean, and be better than 95% of the people out there. I mean, when you look at sales, I mean, uh, when you, when you, statistics, when sales are made on the eighth to 12th call, on the eighth to 12th call, all right, 10% of the salespeople make the eighth to 12th call, just 10%. So if you wonder what takes a person to the next level, it's, it's the persistent side of it. Uh, it's it's studying, your, uh, studying your marketplace. I, well, I'll give you another example. One of my, one of my sales agents for one of the companies that I own, uh, and this was years ago, years and years ago, and we were in Houston, Texas. And we made all the sales calls. I'd flown out there and gone around and we'd seen all the clients and everything else. And we're getting ready to go back to the airport. And he says, Rob, you know, we got some time. He said, 
you, you mind if we uh, make another couple of sales calls? And I said, sure, who are we gonna go see? He opens up this map. He opens up this map of Houston, Texas. He says, here we are, and it's color-coded. And I said, what's this all about? He said, well, these are the clients that I have, and these are the clients I would like to have. He said, last year, I decided that I wanted to raise my sales by 30%. And he said, I'm all over Houston. He said, but when I finish my day, I got to go from here to home. And he said, so when I, I, so I look at my map of the clients that I don't have. And he said, I'm going to be driving right by them. And he said, so I make one more call a day, every day. He says, and I walk in there. He says, I'm not trying to sell them anything, but there's, I call it flow, out of sight, out of mind. He said, I just walk in. How you doing, John? Was in the area. Thought I'd just drop in and see what's going on. He says, you, he said, my sales are up 30%. And he says, I wasn't driving out of the way. He said, I mapped out what I needed to do and it was on the way home. So when you look at how you're going to take it to the next level, my statement is, is to make that one more call, is to do that one more study, is to write that one more letter, is that you want to differentiate yourself, don't send him a damn email. Send him a, send him a card in the mail. You're going to stand out from everybody else because everybody else is sending emails. You know, I'll send them something different. Send them a book. Send them an article. Send them something they have to open up and go, well, that one's nice of Rob to send there. And don't try and sell anything. You just, you're creating a relationship. And so to me, that's, I mean, there's, I, mean I could go on this subject all day long because it's just, it, it, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Because in all the companies I own, I, I, I sold. I didn't, I didn't have president on my card. And you know, I remember one time a guy sat there and he said, you know, we need this special price. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, and I was the president of the company, but he didn't know. I just said salesman. So I said, well, I'm going to have to go talk to my boss. And then I walked outside. How bad do I need this order? I need it really bad. You know, so I go back in. And, and later on, he said, he said, I can't believe that you owned the company. And you said that. And I said, well, I said, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's, that's, that's what this is all about. I'm trying to figure out how bad do I need this? So I, I I love I cut my teeth on selling, and that's and that's because if, if you don't sell it, nothing else happens. That's that's the truth, right? Hey, I, I loved your story about the uh, the map in Houston. You, you you do know what Badger Maps does, right? Yep, yep. I I, 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 I kind of slid that in there. It's a little plug for you, big guy. <laughs> we, we kind of digitized that process because I. I used yeah, to do that very thing with a with a real map made out of paper. <laughs> yeah, he that's exactly what he had. Color coded, open that thing up, and I'm sitting there. And when I was when I was researching you, um, I was like going, "Oh, son of a gun!" Well, he he took it to the next level. Okay, <laughs> I, well done. I made an app for that. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> all good. So, so uh, what's one key lesson or message that? you try to get across to all sales teams persistence i mean i mean uh, we talked about the preparation in every aspect of it but to, to me it's, it's just persistence you you're going to um well I, I remember when i got into the speaking business and i you know i'd sold in 20 countries i owned five companies I, mean, I was i was pretty good at what i did but now now i'm a rookie salesperson i mean a rookie speaker trying to figure out how i'm going to get into the business well what's on the mind of the agent well, what's on the mind of the agent is can you can you carry an audience for an hour on stage and deliver so they can get an additional speaking engagement because of what you did? So you've got to get into the mind of what's going on in that agent and also how you're going to be able to deliver that. So I had to figure out how I was going to get an agent to book me who was already booking other speakers and could care less about me. And, and in that industry, you need a video to get a booking and you need a booking to get a video. It's a pretty backward, tough way to do it but you've got to figure out what's going to be best for them. And, and I did. And, and, I, and I've, always asked, I've, always, I've always told speakers, I said, if you're going to get into this industry, why do I want to listen to you? And they go, what? I said, you can't tell me why I want to listen to you. Then it's a waste of time. You know, why, what are you going to bring to me that's going to, make, you know, that's going to make me better? This is not about you on stage. It's about what? It's about them. So why do I want to listen to you? So the biggest thing that I try and educate you know, on a sales team is, like I said, we talk about persistence. I mean, we talk about preparation. We talk about, you know, know your product and service. But the other thing is don't get discouraged. I mean, because you, you're going to get, I mean, I, 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 the, the top salespeople have lost the most. They've had their head handed to them over and over and over again. 
but they they keep going back at it and they keep learning and then they go and when they get hit with that again they go oh i i got that one this time that's not a problem so i'm just going to give me another up give me another up give me another up uh and and but when you get it be ready because it's the the ones that wing it lose yeah well, and, and sales can be a very stressful career, right? What, what's your best tip around managing stress effectively? Well, uh, to me, you, you, I, you know, I, I call it put down the glass. I don't, I don't know if you've heard the analogy. If you hold a glass, it's filled with water, and you hold it for 30 seconds, no big deal. You hold it for a minute, no big deal. You hold it for 30 minutes, big deal. Hold it for a day, your arm's going to explode. At some point in time, you got to put down the glass. So at some point in time, you've got to be able to, I mean, I work out, I work out a lot, and, you know, and, and, I, and I, you've got to be able to reduce the stress and sit there and say, let's keep the body and the mind fresh so you can go at it again the next day. Because if you're, if you're constantly stressing out on the fact that you've lost that sale, you're going to hurt yourself. So you've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready. You've got to, you, 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 you've got to be your mental factors about you. And so I work out. And that helps me on the stress side of it because I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to put down the glass and I'm going to sit down and say, okay, this is what it is. And I don't care if I miss four sales. My, as I said, realistic optimist, tomorrow's going to be better. But uh, I, 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 I'll give you an example of one salesperson that I dealt with. She, she, she ran an organization of 500 realtors. And I asked Ginger, I said, Ginger, how did you become so successful? And I said, in your career, when you started up, now that you're, now you have all these people working for you. She said, Rob, when I missed a sale, I call the client and I ask them, why didn't you do business with me? I said, really? She said, yep. She said 30% of the time they were very embarrassed. And she said, I knew they weren't giving me the real answer. Sometimes they would kind of, you know, him and haw around it. She said, but maybe 10 to 15% of the time, she said, I would get the real answer. She said, let me give you an example. I asked one client, why didn't you do business with me? She said, well, the, the sign that was in front of the house wasn't your color sign. She said, excuse me? She said, well, your color sign was a blue sign and that was a red sign. So I thought I had to go to the realtor who sold the red sign calendar. She hadn't explained to them that she could sell any house that was in the market, regardless of whose sign was out there. <laughs> All right. Never entered her mind that this person did not know that. All right. She assumed, I mean, it could have been a first time buyer. So the reason why she didn't get the sale is the person was going, oh, that's, that was a red sign uh, that I saw two houses down. So I called the number on that where I could have asked her. She said, so when I asked that question, I learned from the rest of my life. Oh, by the way, I can sell any house out there, regardless of the color of the sign. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you talk about assumptions and everything else, so you, you don't know what the, the situation is with that buyer. So you've got to, you've got to learn. So if you can ask that question, why didn't you buy? Um, sometimes you're going to get an answer. Sometimes you're not. But that's what you got to figure out. And if you if you can't ask them, then talk to a mentor about how the call went. And uh, I had one company that actually had me go out with their salespeople, and 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 watch what they were doing. And I was introduced. I was introduced as the person that was trying to help the presentation that was made that they had attended better. So we want to reduce the amount of questions that we're going to be asked in this call. That's how I was introduced. And this one gentleman was absolutely fantastic. He's a brain, he's a CPA attorney and everything else. And I, and after the call, I said, is there any particular reason why you just don't shut up? He said, what? I said, all you did was talk. That's all you did. I said, the entire time you talked. I said, you gave this guy very little, and you told him all the things that he was doing wrong with his company. I mean, he, you just blew the guy out of the, out of the park. And I said, you, you, he, he never realized that. He thought he was trying to help. And I said, shut up, ask a question and listen and get these people talking. But he did not realize, and this guy was a whole lot smarter than me, had a whole lot more education than I had, but he didn't know how to sell. Sure. And that was his biggest problem. He was just talking. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a common affliction, right? Well, what's the greatest sales lesson that you've learned over the years? Whew, that's a tough one. Uh, the greatest sales lesson that I've learned over the years would be lack of preparation. 
you when you walk in there and you and you weren't ready for what what you, the situation you got into you hadn't studied the client for uh, uh, enough to know that you were prepared for the presentation and all of a sudden that client starts telling you what's going on and you have no clue you don't know what the competition is you don't know what you're up against you don't you're not asking the right questions you you basically walked in there and and, and winged it um and that, that was that's the one thing that i've always had a um it's probably why i over prepare for my speaking engagements because i i want to have an understanding of what's going on here so i do not want to have my head handed to me because they will they will uh i remember my brother made a sales call one time and it was really interesting you know they they had it was it was the gauntlet they had eight eight different companies come in and make the presentation and he was going to come in with his powerpoint presentation and make the whole sales call and everything else and so he walks in there and he and he and he, and he stopped everything he said he said, you know, you guys have had, he was the last one. He said, you've had seven presentations on number eight. And he said, and I've got my PowerPoint program set up and I've got all the information of what we do and how we do it. And he says, but that's not really what this is all about. He said, what this is all about is how we can solve your problem. He said, so, got any questions? And they were like, what? He said, well, what's your situation? What's your biggest problem? What's you got any questions of, uh, of something that's, that's really taking you down or caused you major you know, catastrophe. He said, because you're going to pick up the phone and call my company. They were dealing with caustic materials. You're going to pick up the phone and call my company and say, can you solve this problem? Well, tell me a problem. He says, because that's what we are. We're a knowledge base of how to solve the problem. And the guy was like, so they asked him like four or five questions and he just, just rattled off the answers. Bang, 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 bang. And they're like going, whoa. He says, and he said, and if I don't have the answer, I got 150 people back there that do, and I'll get it for you in four hours. He said, but we're pretty good at this. He says, I've been doing it for 30 years. So they're like going, he says, that's what you're getting. You're getting our knowledge so you don't make those mistakes, so you, you don't get sued, so you don't have people that die. He said, so that's what we do. And so, and they were blown away with the presentation. And then, and then afterwards, one of the guys says, do you really have a PowerPoint presentation? <laughs> he said, yeah, I got one if you want to see it. He said, I, he said, I'll show that to you too. He said, no, nah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But what he did is he just, he, he, he totally changed, changed gears. Everybody else came in and gave the presentation and showed their stuff. And this is what we do and everything else. And he's like, no, you need us to help you ask me some questions. And he was prepared. So to me, if you're walking in there prepared and you know your product and service and you know what you can do and you've got the stories and you've studied it, you're 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 80% there. But if you have it, I don't want to deal with you. You're an amateur. Yeah, I remember a very similar thing happening with Don Draper in Mad Men, where they were doing one of the yeah, they were they were doing a gauntlet and uh it's similar similar concept where he was able to come in and and shake it up by really connecting with the customer. Right. Yeah, because if you if you come at it from a different perspective, they're like going, whoa, holy cow. And 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 then and, and then they get and then they can find out that you really do know what you you know that you your 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 product and service and that and then they then they want your knowledge then they want your your help. Uh, I remember that one guy that, that there was a, there was that commercial and this guy basically they thought he worked for the company. He didn't work for the company, but he was in there helping everybody out, trying to find out what was going on and learning more and more. Um, and that and that's what this is all about. How you how can you take it to the next level? Um, and, and so to me, it's, it's, it's preparation and study and knowing what you, what you, what you do. And, and if you're, and, and for the new salesperson, hook on to that older salesperson and start asking those questions. That's one of the biggest mistakes that sales organizations make. They have a, they have a knowledge base of, of, of great stories. I, I was, I was doing one for a trucking company that had merged several times. And I had all their senior executives in the room. It was, it was a strategic planning session. And I said, okay. I said, you guys were trying to get your salespeople out there to be more, to be better at what they do. I said, everybody in this room, write down something that we have shipped. That's amazing. And they're like, what? I said, something that's amazing. Because a lot of times a client might sit there and say, well, have you ever shipped something worth a, a million dollars? Have you ever shipped something that's very fragile? Have you ever something that's very important? So they all wrote them down. And then one guy said, well, we shipped the control console of the space shuttle. 85% of the people in the room didn't know that. Why? Because the companies had been bought, merged, and bought, and merged, but one of the companies that they had bought and merged with shipped this 
control console to the space shuttle. Now all of a sudden you're talking to a client, the guy goes, have you ever sent, you know, shipped anything really important? Well, we did the control console to the space shuttle. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about that story. All right. 85% of the senior executives in that, in that organization didn't know that. Why? Because the company had grown and grown and grown. It's just one of the stories that had not happened. So it's the stories. And when I'm on stage, I'm not sitting there telling people things. I'm telling stories. People love stories. I, 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 well, there was, there was one company that the, the, they got an order for um, um, uh, uh, golf carts. And they finally, they worked years to get it. And they finally, the guy said, okay, I'll finally give you a trial. And so he got three tractor trailer loads. And they damaged all the golf carts. And it's a story about how the company changed and, and, and figured out how that happened. And then now their salespeople actually use that. They said, well, this is what happened. This is what we did. And this is why we found out how we made the mistake. And this is how we corrected it. So a lot of times you can, you can, you can get somebody to go, well, wow, we made a mistake and, and it did happen. And how we can fix this? Just the little things that are going to make you different. So if you get the stories down, they'll love it. Talk about what they did with the client. Just like the guy did with Verizon. This is, I took it from 100,000 to 30 million. And this is how. And then it's like going, whoa, that's impressive. Yeah, stories are so powerful. I mean, we, the, uh, it's, <clears throat> we, we actually just had a guy on, on our show. His whole, he has a whole sales consulting practice that is all about storytelling and, and we've seen that within our own company too. Like I'm always trying to capture the, the stories about our different co companies and that are our customers and, and help make sure all the salespeople know those types of stories because that's, that's what really connects with customers. You know, let, lets you know, it lets them know what you're really able to do in a way that sticks with them, I think, and that it sticks in their mind. Well, and in a lot of sales organizations, I've made the suggestion, have your salespeople, if they encounter an objection, that they weren't really sure how they should have handled that, get that to everybody. Send that objection to the, 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 the national sales manager or whatever and get it out to everybody and have everybody script an answer of how they would handle that. And then maybe have four or five year people look at it and come up with the top three answers that are the best. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden get that out to everybody and they can go, wow, that's a great way to handle that. So, so, you, so you're taking advantage of the one that you get in the field that they might be having in Nebraska or over here in Iowa or over there in Seattle or wherever. And then you're getting it out to everybody in the field that they can learn from that one person that got their head handed to them. So yeah. they don't get their head handed to them. So share the knowledge. And, but so many companies don't do that. They don't, they don't put the stories together and they don't put the, how to handle the objections together. Yeah. And what should all salespeople do every day to become even more successful? Study. I mean, um, well, as I said, like when, when I had to change gears as far as virtual is concerned, I, I started studying. I started taking a look at all the cameras that are out there and all the things that I needed to do and all the things that I needed to work on. So, and then what I, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, I'll go back to YouTube, type in sales and, 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 and look at some of the top presenters that are out there that are talking about sales. Uh, uh, there, I, I did one for a real estate company and I'm not a realtor. All right. All right. And then there's a book called Ninja Sales. Well, Ninja Sales is kind of specific to real estate, but it has some fantastic takeaways on all sales. So if, if, if you read 15 pages a night, just a night in a book or watching a YouTube video, that, that's going to help you get a little bit better because if you're not studying every day, you're not, you're not, you're not sharpening your sword. You're not, you're not, you're not getting your craft better. And I, and then that's one of the biggest mistakes I see. So many people, they take it to a certain level and then they stop. They're not, they're not paying attention to the, the new things that are out there. The technology is out there and also their industry. What's changing within the industry. Um, if, if you're selling in a particular industry, then you need to have the, the magazines from the association. You need to be studying the articles from the associations. You need to say, well, I read this about what Bill Bennett was saying at such and such place and, and with your industry. And the guy goes, you know, Bill? No, but I was reading about it. And this is some of the problems that they found. So to me, it's, 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 a, it's a constant point of study. Um, because if you don't, you lose. If you're, if you're not reading, um, you're, you're going to lose. You're, you're, your competition is going right by. 
Well, and, and as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a, uh, a first step to getting starting on raising their line? The first, the first step as far as I'm concerned is your presentation. You've got, you've got to be able to understand what your product or service is. So if you haven't studied that, you're dead in the water. Second step is I need to have a list of the top you know, 10 to 15, maybe 20 objections that are in the industry so I can study them and make sure that's not going to knock me down. Because the majority of them, probably 85 to 90% of them are going to be that. So if you have that problem, then you don't have to worry about it. You're, you're prepared. All right. And then, the, and then the last one is practice. Practice, you know, what you're saying and, oh, and, and also your questions. So if I was going to do three things, three major things that's going to help them take it to the next level, it's one is how is your presentation? You know, are you asking the right questions? And can you, and, and, you know, and are you prepared for the objections that are going to occur? Because you don't need to walk into the sales presentation without that. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it, it's just a waste of time. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, attempt to summarize all the wisdom that you've given us here today. So first of all, being a realistic optimist is all about being realistic about your situation while at the same time being positive about the future. Don't just focus on the deal you closed yesterday. Focus on the deal that you will close tomorrow. Make sure you don't drop the ball so that competitors have room to move in and follow up with your customers often so that you can find out about any pain points that you might not know about. If your sales aren't doing well, find new ways to deliver your product or service. Try watching some sales YouTube videos to see how you can improve what you're doing. Always be learning. Bullet editorials are statements that are undeniable facts. Use these statements with stats in your pitch to build your credibility. So what's an example of those stats? Something like, uh, you know, 75% of our business comes from referrals. It's just a statement, it's a fact, and it, and it builds your credibility. Take time to study your clients and understand how you can customize your pitch to fit their specific needs. Welcome objections. Uh, that way, because if you're getting objections, you can understand exactly what your prospects care about. And then you can, you can overcome those objections and, and that way you can actually move the deal forward. Robert believes that every no gets him closer to a yes. Every time a prospect says no, take the time to understand why. And that way you can change that no into a yes in the future. Use humor in your sales presentation to build trust, to build confidence, and to build rapport with your audience. Prep in advance so you can think about how you can add humor into your presentations and think about doing it as an organization. Finally, take time to prep for meetings um, by knowing everything about your product back and forth, everything about what's on your website, know the stories behind it, and know all the common objections so that you can continue building rapport and confidence. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Where, where can our readers, our, our listeners, read more about your work and where can they reach out to you? Uh, first of all, I can go to my website, um, robertstevenson.org. Um, and if they, if they scroll all the way down to the very bottom, I do a, uh, usually a weekly newsletter that's very, it's not long, it's short. It has something about getting better personal sales, um, business. I mean, it's, it's there and it's, it's free. Uh, we don't solicit, we don't try and sell you anything. It's just, you, you can just sign up and we'll, and I'll send you uh, if you sign up, I'll send you a list of, I mean, a, a package of 48 articles, 45 articles that I've written. And you can share them, copy them, do whatever you want. Um, I also, I've, I've got about uh, 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. Uh, and I try and put something out uh, five days a week. Uh, don't hold me to that. But I try and put out something every day. Um, so they can just follow me on LinkedIn. 
and uh, and I and I think you'll find extreme value in what I put out there. And that's on a that's on a personal sales basis, also in a leadership sense. But you know, I I try and try to cover the gamut of what's going on. And then you can go get my books on Amazon. All right. Well, and we'll put all the links in the uh, to to find you on LinkedIn, et cetera, in the in the show notes because I, I'm guessing Robert Stevenson is a tricky name to uh, to find on LinkedIn. Since I'm Steve Benson, I, I can I can empathize with that. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Robert Robert Stevenson was actually there's another Robert Stevenson. I don't think it was you, but it was one of my po- favorite poets when I was a kid. He wrote right. a book called Where the Sidewalk Ends. I think. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I haven't read that for about 40 years, unfortunately, but I loved it at the time. <laughs> uh, um, so well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If, uh, if you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps. It's the number one route planner, and it helps people sell 20% more and drive 20% less. You can get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. If you can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning the skills that Robert's given us today, share the love and forward this episode along to them. Uh, Robert, thanks once again for coming on the show here. Take care until next time, everybody. 